Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hello, Denver Broncos dedicated fan club, and welcome to our Week 13 Orange Weekly podcast. Yes, it's been a long season, but uh, don't worry, we still have stuff to talk about, and you should still listen to us every single week. First, let's go uh, through our sponsor here. This podcast is sponsored by Rep the Squad. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep any jersey you may want. It's like Netflix for jerseys. With hundreds of jerseys, Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month, and youth memberships are $16.95 per month. New jerseys arrive fresh, clean, and within two to three business days. Rep your Denver Broncos all season long with free shipping both ways, and you can cancel at any time. Make sure you use the promo code ORANGE50, that's ORANGE50, to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. And if you like our podcast when we talk about each week, please subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes or Google Music or wherever you listen to us from. And that, uh, you know, we, we, we love it. Please review us. Please tell us, send us some emails, whatever it is we want to hear from you and what you'd like to, you know, hear us talk about. Here at Orange Weekly, we're all about football and football only. We don't discuss politics. We're just football fans. So you'll not hear us talk about who's had the coolest cleats this week, who's got their charity on their cleats, or any of that nonsense. It's just about this week's Denver Broncos matchup. It's like the mind of the players, the coaches, an in-depth look at what you should be expecting this upcoming week. All right, guys, let's get ready to go. This week we got the Den. Sorry, we got the Dolphins this week, not the Denver. Denver's playing the Dolphins. We got the Dolphins coming in. It's going to be a big game here because both teams are on a pretty bad losing streak, and both teams are looking to get a first win in a while, and one of them will get it, and hopefully it's going to be your Denver Broncos. So as we always do here from week to week, let's bring it in with the Mad Fanatic. All right, guys. Hello again and welcome. So this week, uh, Jared is not here and we have Dan Stern come back from popular demand. We just couldn't stop the fan mail from coming in, so we had to bring him back. So uh, how you doing, Dan? Oh, well, I had to uh, keep busy responding to all that fan mail, but it's uh, it's been a, been a good ride this season and I'm glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're back too. It's uh, it's nice to have you on here. We'll uh, we'll keep uh, fighting these fans off one day, but uh, it's all good. So this week, man, we got the uh, the Dolphins. This the the great Miami Dolphins sitting at four and seven. Um, you know, I don't know about you. I haven't really watched the Dolphins much this year, but uh, it should be an interesting matchup. They've they've gone through quite a bit this season as well, and uh, I think both teams are really sitting in similar situations where they're uh, they've been you know pretty un- underwhelming uh, statistically and on the uh, on their record as well. Um, and they've been through a lot of adversity with losing Ryan Tannehill early, uh, lose while well, trading away Jay Ajayi. 
and just you know having a lot of things going on their coach was found snorting a white powder which we'll, we'll leave uh, nameless um, and you know he got fired and there's been a lot going on so so before we get into this uh, this upcoming week here against the Dolphins, just quickly recap this previous game against the Raiders. Fortunately, we know the outcome, 21-14 for the Raiders. Um, I did predict, you know, that the Raiders would win and that uh, Bowman, Navarro Bowman, would be having a big game here. He got the first interception of the team uh, the Ken, after Ken Norton was fired there. A new DC came in and Bowman finally got uh, that zero off the board. Otherwise... The game was tense. There was some fighting going on. Players were kicked out. It's never really good for an organization or a game to see those kind of things. But at the same time, I'm a big fan of this this passion to see in players and that feistiness, you know. Both the Raiders and the Broncos were having underwhelming seasons and it just gets to you and I just like seeing that on the field when it comes out and people just really want to win so bad it gets the best of them. With that being said though, I think that the Broncos, you know, they came out with, uh, with some positives. Um, unfortunately, Paxton Lynch got hurt again. Uh, sad to see this guy just can't ever seem to get it going. Trevor Simeon did come in, scored a couple touchdowns late in the game. Yes, it was a bit garbage time touchdowns, but nevertheless, he got some movement, which I think is promising for Bill Musgraves, uh, who's going to be coming in a second game here as the offensive coordinator. And it's very challenging to, you know, take over an offense that's been so underwhelming this year and, and come out and, and and play well with 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 energy. It's it's really difficult to do. So you know we can't really blame Musgraves for not getting the offense going. But nevertheless, he's got the second chance here against the Dolphins team, who's also been uh, very underwhelming. They've got you know some pretty good athletes on the team, but however, it just hasn't seemed to be working out for them in the long run over the season. So. Dan, uh, as we get going here talking about the Dolphins, can you give us a quick recap over the uh, the Patriots game they had last weekend just to see how uh, they went and what we're going to be facing? Well, unfortunately, the Miami Dolphins are suffering a similar fate uh, of the season as the Denver Broncos. They're on a five-game losing streak. Denver is on a seven-game losing streak. Overall, their offense has been underperforming. And uh, again, against the Patriots last week, that was... That was evident. They were going three and out early and often in the game. Tom Brady was taking advantage of that. They had gotten two quick scores, up 14-0 right away. They were lucky to get a bad snap from, uh, a rare bad snap from the Patriots that ended up in a a defensive touchdown. But besides that, Miami has looked very passive, not threatening at all. Uh, Their offense ranks uh, third last in the league in yards per game. It's one of those situations where uh, like I said, two teams on losing streaks. Which one's going to want it more? Which one uh, is going to be playing mistake-free football coming into December here? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I thought that you know the Dolphins would be a little bit more exciting than this, but uh, like we mentioned, they had so much change on their offense. Even their receivers in uh, Parker and Landry, like we. You know, we'd expect every year for these guys to be so um, so strong. Do you think that it's it's like a receiver issue they have in Miami, or is it really like a quarterback issue? I would say it's hard to uh, point to the fact that the receivers are unqualified to be there because they are two solid receivers. You have not only Parker and Landry, but you have Kenny Stills as their third receiver. That you have a viable backfield in Drake, uh, even though there was the departure of Jay Ajayi. You know, they do have weapons around the quarterback position. 
unfortunately both Jay Cutler and Matt Moore have underperformed and whether that is attributed to offensive line play or it's attributed to the fact that the play calling hasn't been there to overall I just feel that uh, Miami you know in a hard spot very similar to what the Broncos are uh, experiencing right now yeah yeah no, I totally get that it's um they're not fun to really watch either. I mean, Matt Moore came in. I thought, I've always thought Matt Moore was a pretty good backup. Um, he seemed to have a chance to start back when Ryan Tannehill was getting drafted, but he just never really seemed to uh, to, to really you know take that next step forward. In this last game, it was sort of it might have been his last chance to really prove to the football world that he was you know a quarterback capable of, of, of putting up results. But it, it's tough to really perform against the Patriots. Um, Patriots really came in and they just did what the Patriots did every single week. They spread the ball around, they scored some points on every level. Uh, you know, mental mistakes like a bad snap only happen once in a while. And thankfully, the Dolphins they made the most of it and they you know might have made the game a bit tighter at that moment, but. Nevertheless, they just couldn't come up with a win. Um, so coming into this next game here, Dan, do you think that the Dolphins are going to be doing anything special against the uh, the Broncos? Or do you think it's going to be the same sort of atmosphere they're going to bring where they just try to jumpstart the offense any which way they can? Well, when I think you look at two teams that are struggling as mightily as the Dolphins and the Broncos are struggling right now, it just comes back to fundamentals. They need to protect the football. They need to collect a series of first downs and get a drive going, march the field. They can't expect a win is going to happen by some magic trick plays. Yes, those kind of things can spark an offense. But after that trick play, what happens? You need to use fundamentals need to protect the football and avoid losing that turnover game because if you're a team that's on a multiple losing game streak, you cannot afford to be behind the eight ball and let your opponent, whether it's a a strong opponent or a weaker one in terms of uh, who you're facing, you cannot let them have the advantage in their turnovers. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. That turnover battle is so crucial to getting any sort of movement on the on the ground. It's it's insane. And one thing I have noticed um, before we just get into the coaches here, the Dolphins are seem to be built very um, one dimensionally. Their their entire offensive line, every single one of those players, they're all known for their pass blocking skills, not their run blocking skills. And I think that's a big reason why they trade away Jai just based on the fact that he's a downhill power runner and, and their team's not based, or sorry, not built for that. It's more or less built to air the ball out. You know, this seems to be like a, a college offensive line, sort of, you know, these tall, leaner guys that are just out there to really pass protect, um, keeping, you know, Jay Cutler in the backfield, standing up straight. Um, even though they haven't been performing at the highest level, it seems to be what they're built upon. And it's... I don't know, it just doesn't seem to really be working out for, for Miami because like you said, you can only go so far by trying to do trick plays or trying to be special around the air. You know, you really have to have a solid running game and the Dolphins just don't seem to have that, which really plays in the favor of the Broncos because the Broncos are really built for pass rushing and they've got really solid run stoppers as well. So, you know, I, I really could see them take advantage of um, of the fact that Miami is so one-dimensional. And, uh, you know, let's use this as a segue here. Um, let's talk about the uh, the Dolphins coaching staff. Uh, who do we have coming up? We all know the head coach and Adam Gase. He's an old coordinator for the Broncos back in the day when he was with uh, uh, John Fox. That's who it was. And, you know, he moved around with John Fox to uh, the Bears. And from the Bears, he got the head coaching job for Miami, which he's been pretty underwhelming if... Uh, if you know, if, if I think I'm correct here, Dan. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is, has Adam Gase really done anything special in his time in Miami, or is he sort of 
met expectations or just been very underwhelming? Well, overall, it's been a series of hits and misses with Adam Gase. He's had one successful season making the playoffs. They underperformed and lost, but you can always point to the fact that their quarterback play has not been there. They've invested in so much in Ryan Tannehill, and when you're referring to that offensive line designed a pass block, it was designed for Ryan Tannehill in mind and having his skills be showcased, which was another hit and miss situation with when he was healthy. You look at teams around the league and historically, the most successful offenses have that balance. You need to be able to run the ball. You look at what the New Orleans Saints are doing this year. You're looking at what the New England Patriots are doing right now with Deion Lewis, who ran all over Miami last week. You have to have that balance. If if Miami wants to uh, you know get back to its winning ways, it's going to have to create a little bit of balance with the run, create some opportunities with play action. Yes, pass when needed, but also keep the defense guessing and keep them off balance by uh, having both options available. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. It is good to bring up that, you know, this team is really built around uh, Ryan Tannehill like this. Um, You know, Ryan Tannehill is sort of, in my opinion, a bit of a sunk cost right now in Miami. When they drafted him, um, he seemed like a reach. Nobody really predicted him to go as high as he did, and it just... It never really panned out. Um, you know, of course, it's it's always hard to predict the, the future of a player and what they're going to be able to perform like. But at the end of the day, you know, you still need that performance if you're a first-round pick. Uh, now, Dan, given that Miami's going to be probably drafting early in the draft, do you think that this is the year they finally say goodbye to Ryan Tannehill and they draft a new quarterback that early? Well, that's just the decision they're going to have to make in the offseason. And uh, depending on how situations go with certain free agents and their cap, they're going to have to look at, is Ryan Tannehill the future of this team? Unfortunately, Miami's been looking for a quarterback since Dan Marino. And you can call call it the curse of, curse of Marino, but they've been trying to replace that legend with a bunch of uh, ordinaries. And uh, unfortunately, hasn't panned out for Miami for over two decades. And it's definitely time to maybe look at the situation with Ryan Tannehill. Do they want to completely re-tear and rebuild? Or do they want to uh, stick with him one more year and see how it pans out? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill's still a young guy, still very athletic. He's got uh, you know quite a bit of talent on, on the field still. You know, We're not saying he's a bad quarterback. Yeah. Um, we're just saying that. He's somebody who's been very underwhelming based on where he was drafted, was what his expectations were and all that. Um, nevertheless, so he's up for this year. We can't really talk about him too, too much. Uh, the Broncos are going to be facing Jay Cutler this week. He's coming off his concussion. Uh, so, you know, we don't know if this is going to bring necessarily a more competitive game than what Matt Moore would bring based on just the fact of, you know, they're still a 4-7 and seven team. So and we're going to see what this is going to give. Uh, nonetheless, Jay Cutler does have a very scary arm. He's got a cannon. Um, he's a little bit erratic with his passes, but nevertheless, uh, when he is on, he is on. And maybe this will be one of those games that he just decides that he's going to be playing really well. Um, you know, Jay Cutler is a uh, quite a unique personality within the NFL. I know that, you know, he, a lot of people have strong opinions about him. I've actually read a survey uh, not too long ago, and it said that Jay Cutler was voted as the most unliked quarterback in the league, and that's based on uh, his peers' opinion. So basically, the players that played with him, or, or rather would not like to play with him, voted him as you know the most unliked quarterback in the league, which comes as a surprise to some, maybe, and not to others. But um, you know that's just the kind of guy he is. But nevertheless, on the field, he can still put up some... Uh, 
some pretty strong numbers here, uh, nevertheless. So, you know, coming up in this matchup, I know Joe Woods is, is going to be considering, you know, what to do with Jay Cutler. I think the best thing to do here is just kind of shut him down with the with the cornerbacks and those strong receivers. Unfortunately, Aqib Tlaib is going to be out for this game with a suspension. Uh, but, you know, the the, back, the, the, the depth on the, the Broncos is still there, and they're still going to be able to put up some a, a strong defense here. So just coming up uh, with this matchup, Dan, could you, uh, you know, run us through a bit who the offensive coordinator is, for the Dolphins, who their DC is, and you know what we're going to be expecting from them in this upcoming matchup. Well, I, I can, and their offensive coordinator, Clyde Christensen, was the former quarterbacks coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And having quarterback issues like Miami does, it's definitely a surprise that uh, their quarterback situation isn't more intact. He uh, obviously has worked with a couple legends in Peyton Manning, and I wouldn't call him a legend, but definitely a talented quarterback in Andrew Luck. Pretty incredible that the quarterback situation is the way it is uh, with their offense. Um, On the flip side, on on the defensive side, their D coordinator is Matt Burke. Uh, He's a former linebackers coach with a, a myriad of teams. So he's um, bringing a a little bit of experience, definitely at that position, uh, a new coordinator, however, and uh, looking at the film from at least the last game, even though it was the Patriots, there's definite holes in that secondary, in the intermediate routes, a few big third downs early in the first half were converted by the Patriots because of blown coverages, miscommunications, whatever you want to chalk it down to it's one of those situations where you know the coaching staff itself might be experienced might have some good ideas on on paper but what is the support of the ownership like you mentioned and alluded to uh, Miami has a shared ownership I believe there's some still some celebrities that have a a stake in that ownership like Jennifer Lopez I think she's uh looking at the football side of uh, the business and, and really trying to build a contender in Miami it's I think Miami is, has become uh, more of a tourist attraction for this uh, football culture rather than a, uh, a place where they're trying to beat Tom Brady and overtake that AFC East. The leadership issue in Miami really transcends the coaches. I think it really does go up to the ownership, like you're saying. Um, you know, Ross has been a very weird owner over the past years. Um, had a lot of you know GMs, coaches come and go within the organization. A lot of underwhelming teams, unfortunately. Um, but <clears throat> overall, you know, like you said, Miami's got some young coordinators that might play a role in their underwhelming performance this year. Uh, brand new DCs coming in to replace uh, Vance Joseph who has now become our head coach in the Denver Broncos. And this game is going to, you know, maybe be of a bit of a personal thing for Vance Joseph. I think he'd love to get a win over his former team. Um, you know, I think he, he might feel a bit prideful that he put together a you know, much better defense when his time there than what's going on right now. But nevertheless, I think that uh, Bill Musgraves here is going to have a good chance to really showcase his control over the offense, over uh, you know such a new defensive coordinator who's been struggling all year, uh, evidently. Even with all the talent he has, it just never really seems to pan out. And um, like I mentioned before, Joe Woods, I think he's in a great situation to um, to, to really control this this the flow of the game really um it is adam gase's offense uh, you know the the coordinator i think is just there in, in terms of an administrative role and a coaching role versus a play calling role adam gase does have a great offensive mind um he's he has put up very successful teams but this year it's been a bit of a struggle and i think there's you know a lot of factors to go into it but nevertheless i think that the dolphins are really doing what they can to win with what they have this is going to lead to you know hopefully a very competitive game and hopefully a game that Trevor Seaman can come in and uh, perform really well. And on that note, as we move away from the coaching staff here, 
Dan, let's um, you know, let's talk about the players right now. Who who are some players on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins that you see as being you know key players for this upcoming matchup? The running back situation, like I said, is decent. Uh, if they can get Kenyon and Drake going, and unlike last week. Uh, where his fumble issues kept rearing their head. If they can get him going and, and have him protect the football, there's a chance that he can he can have a successful game. To be honest, uh, it would have to be Kenny Stills overall is the biggest threat. He's a, a deep threat as that third receiver and usually a, a big play target. That's something that the nickel back situation of Denver is going to have to handle. I just think overall, you did mention it, that their defense is underwhelming. Denver needs to take advantage of that. If they can prevent Miami's offense from getting hot, which I think is totally possible, considering Denver's defense is still ranked number three in in yards allowed. I definitely think we have a Denver win here, but the game is in Miami. And even though it's a road game, Miami's home advantage has has not been there over the last decade. They're one of the worst uh, home teams in terms of record and just in terms of overall support for that historical franchise of theirs. If I go back to your question, just who am I looking at? I just think that Denver just needs to play their game defensively, stop Kenny Stills, those those two main receivers, Parker, Jarvis Landry, contain Kenyon Drake, and they're going to walk out of Miami with a win. Yeah, it's a really good uh, good point you make towards the receivers on the Miami side. Um, they do have three very talented guys that um, might have an advantage, actually, against the Denver Broncos this upcoming game because Akeem Talib is suspended for that one game. So that means probably Bradley Roby is going to be coming into that other corner spot, which leaves next man up for that nickel spot whoever's the strongest guy whoever's going to be performing that well they might drop a safety they might play a little bit more of an exotic defense since they're losing one of their main guys but nevertheless Kenny Stills might actually have uh, you know an advantage with that matchup so Denver will have to play you know its game to really make sure that they eliminate that matchup and they're going to do that through a lot of pass rush with Barrett with Ray with Von Miller um, Barrett and Ray I believe both got a sack last week so they're starting to get that pass rush game back I think it's uh, something that's really needed and they're actually going to be able to generate quite a bit of it this upcoming game um, in terms of other defensive players to look for on the Denver side I'd say you know the defensive line other members such as Derek Wolf and Damato Pico is going to be guys that are going to be very essential to this to the win that the Broncos are going to be getting this weekend. I think that Miami doesn't have much of a strong offensive line push when it comes to uh, the running game, so I think they're going to be able to to penetrate and be able to come around the tackles and really you know make some havoc in that backfield and stop Kenyon Drake or Damian Williams, whoever's going to be the hot hand um, you know in this upcoming matchup. So moving on the other side of the ball, Dan, um, you know who are going to be players on the uh, the Miami's defense that you think that you know Denver players should be looking for you know Trevor Siemens coming back here after a couple weeks off and uh, he's going to be you know facing this defense who do have some strong athletes they they need strong play uh from their secondary even though like you said the quarterback situation for Denver may not be the most threatening uh it has been a point of weakness uh for Miami getting beat through the air um Sue, yes needs to dominate he needs to show why he's a high draft pick a highly touted talented player you know, he needs to be consistent. Overall, I just think that it is advantage Denver. They need to go in there and show that that quarterback situation is has at least uh, been tamed or at least, you know, put to rest for one more week. It's a shame having your GM, John Elway, sitting there up in the, in the, in the booth looking at the quarterback situation, the quarterback play the way it has been the last few weeks. I completely agree on that. And if we remember clearly, too, not that long ago, John Elway came out and called uh, 
called the team or the organization soft. Um, I think a lot of people took that quite personally. I'd really hope so. Uh, maybe that's the reason why Akeem Tilly came out a bit of a feisty mood over this game. But <clears throat> nevertheless, I think that you know it's time for for the mentality to change here with Denver, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, I think Dan, the, your point of not really picking out any any player that's going to be a, a big issue for the Denver Broncos here, I think is is a great leeway into understanding that you know the, the whole offense for the Broncos needs to be looking at the entire defense for the Dolphins they haven't performed in a way this year that really shows that they only need to focus on one or two guys here and there and they can just play their game no no they, they have to go out and understand what the other defense is doing and find a way to beat it and unfortunately that you know they've been struggling mightily with this this year and I think that you know Again, I've said it before, but I think it's a game where they're going to actually be able to turn this around. I think the Dolphins' defense is um, it's filled with really good players, players that make some good money, but I don't see any sort of it factor on this defense. Um, guys like Rashad Jones, I think, is a very, very good safety. Um, he's had a couple hundred tackle seasons um, at a strong safety position. That's pretty, uh, pretty impressive given that he's most likely in the open field, but it shows that he's in the box, he's helping on the run, and he's making some big plays. Then on that defensive line, guys like Cameron Wake and Indomitian Sue, I mean, they, they're they monsters. You know, physically just dominant. They're such strong players, it's it's amazing to see. And so, you know, I, I'm expecting that it's going to be a pretty tight game, and, and this offense for the Broncos really needs to step up. I think Ron Leary on the offense is going to have his hands full all day with uh, Indomitian Sue, and then Bowles is going to have uh, again, a big day with uh, with Cameron Wake on the edge. So it's going to be quite a battle on that line. Um, <clears throat> I think their secondary for the Dolphins, like you mentioned, isn't all that strong. And I think that the receivers are going to be, uh, you know, at, at an advantage here. So, Dan, what's um, what are we predicting for this game here? What's going to be the score? I think this is going to be a slugfest between two teams who are, are struggling offensively and uh, defensively have underperformed uh, most more so for the Miami Dolphins. And uh, because of that, I'm going to have to go ahead and uh, say the Denver Broncos are going to take it. I'm looking at uh, what they're scoring per game. Miami is sitting at 15.8 points a game. It's pretty putrid. Unfortunately, the Denver Broncos are sitting only at 17.9 points a game. So... I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a 17-15 to 15 game for the Denver Broncos. A two-point win and a tight slugfest. 15 points from a team. Yeah, that's going to be quite a bit of field goals, I think. Um, I'm going to go out and say that it's going to be a bit more than that. It'll be a bit more generous. I think that the Broncos are going to win this one, and I think it's going to be a 23-17 to 17 game for the Broncos. I think both uh, Damaris Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are going to score a touchdown here, and I think Trevor Simeon is going to find his groove in this game. Hopefully it will be something that lasts, but I do believe that the Broncos are going to be taking this one, and their offense is going to be surmounting the the Dolphins' defense, and it will definitely be a slugfest. Watch some defensive play in this game from both sides of the ball. So moving on here, uh, as we close up, I'm just going to give a few uh, closing remarks before we we end this show. Um, Yes, the season has been rough for uh, Broncos fans across the country, across the world. It happens. Things like this do happen. They're not fun to go through as a fan. It's it's heartbreaking. It's hard to get up and watch these games. It's hard to listen to people talk about it. It's, it's just not a fun season. However, this is not a permanent situation. 
bad seasons do occur. They're going to occur all the time on every single league for any single you know team. They're going to happen. So the best thing we can do right now as fans, as lovers of football, is to just understand that there is a bright future ahead. John Elway is an extraordinary leader who has put together an outstanding team in the past and a great culture, and he can definitely do this again. It's it's not the end of the, the, the Broncos culture. Unfortunately, the, the Super Bowl aspirations that the team may have had this year might not be as realistic as they once were, but that's okay. Next year is going to be a year of, of much more promising um, performances and in this offseason is going to be an absolute critical uh, critical phase for the the life of the Broncos and their fans there's going to be some quarterbacks in the free agent market that might be interesting to look at there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks in the drafts that are going to be very interesting to look at so it's really a matter of what direction does John Elway want to take this team are they going to be a complete rebuild project which could be one very promising avenue or are they going to really try to keep their veterans in place they're going to try and, and, and keep the life of this defense they've put together alive for one or two more seasons get the veteran quarterback through free agency and and sort of rejuvenate that offense and rejuvenate this team and this franchise that you know they so desperately need remember they're only a few years off of a super bowl win so that doesn't mean that you know they're they're ready to throw it you know in the dumpster and call it quits no no it just means that they just have to retool a little bit this season has been going the way it has but don't worry, it's going to get better. All these players right now, they're playing for their jobs. So especially those uh, those backup players, those secondary players, that guy who's going to be coming in in the nickel position, whoever it may be, is going to be playing for his job. Watch him to perform extremely well. Watch these players come out this weekend and just be you know, the, the natural athletes they are and play for something more than what they might have been playing before because right now there's a lot of people playing for their livelihood on this team everybody's being evaluated every coach everybody in the front office so now it's really a good sign of the future of what's going to be coming up in the next seasons you know who's willing to play who's willing to stay with the broncos so don't give up hope the season's not over yet there's going to be a lot more future promises to be coming out of this offseason at the end of the season. And once again, thank you for listening to us. And please subscribe. Please review us. Send us an email. Let us know if there's something you want us to talk about, not talk about, whatever it may be. We want to hear your feedback. We're here for you guys. So as we come out here, let's bring it out with the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. I'm riding on my